Gospel of Mark, and so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Mark chapter 12. Still? Good. Yeah, we're, we're going to be right at the end of uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 38, as soon as I figure out this mic. Good morning. Um, so uh, I don't know uh, if, if any of you guys have seen this movie. It's a rather um, old 90s movie. Um, but um, there, was a, there was a movie that came out called Equilibrium. And it was basically a retelling of Fahrenheit 451, if you're a Bradbury fan. Um, and uh, so the, the story in Equilibrium is that there's these, um, this whole society has outlawed emotion. And so to deal with that, they take a, a drug called Equilibrium to cancel out all their emotions. And one of the, uh, and so one of the guys, he's a cop, and he goes around and he burns art and books and all those things, uh, and because those are emotional things. And so then he starts feeling. He stops taking his his Equilibrium, and then he gets arrested. And in the very last scene, of course, you know, it's, it's a sci-fi action, so he's running around with guns and stuff. Uh, in the very last scene, you know, he's going down this hallway, of course, and there's a bunch of people there to kill. So he gets through them all, uh, gets to the, the big boss, you know, his room. He goes in there, and uh, the boss has got, like, artwork on the walls, music playing, you know, Beethoven. He's got this beautiful chandelier. like all this stuff. And, it, and so when the boss guy is pleading for his life, he says, don't you realize I'm feeling too? Like, the, the guy who had been through the entire movie, this voice on the screen, talking to everyone, saying, you must stop feeling, was feeling, right? And he was this hypocrite. And, and he felt like the, the life that he had was, was okay for him, but nobody else could live it. And so like, he, was, he put, put a burden on the, on the, on the people. We're going to see something similar, just less guns, in, um, <laughs> in Mark uh, chapter 12, verse 38. It says... Um, and in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small, small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to that offering box, for they, are, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put, everything, put in everything she had and all that she had to live on. Dear Lord, just want to lift up this morning to you once again. We thank you so much, Lord, just for this chance to, to look, at the, um, look at your word, Lord, and just to be changed by it, Lord. And I just pray that this morning you would speak to us, Lord, change our hearts, Lord. Lord, we want to be uh, honest and true uh, with each other and with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're continuing the story here uh, in verse 38. Uh, Jesus is still in the temple. He's, uh, he's teaching. He's answered all the attacks of the, re the religious leaders. The, the last group here for the last three Sundays has been the scribes. 
that have been kind of attacking him. And so they reached a point where he answered their question and they couldn't respond. He asked them a question, they couldn't respond. And now he's teaching the people uh, about the scribes. Um, the, the scribes were uh, the ruling class in, in Israel at the time. Uh, they were the aristocracy, the well-educated men. Um, they, uh, they were supposed to represent an understanding of God and live, live out that, that life dedicated to the law. And so people looked at them as the ideal, right? So when you look at, like, how am I going to do something? When I look up things, you know, like, I want to find the, the person who's the best at it and learn from them how do they do that thing, right? So that tends to be like read a book or go look up a YouTube video and all of a sudden I'm an expert, right? But like, so I, want, I try to find the best person. That's who these guys were supposed to be. They, in fact, in every synagogue in every city, there was a, a seat set aside called the, the seat of Moses. And what, would, what that was for is the scribes and Pharisees would sit on that seat and pronounce judgments. So if somebody had a problem, a, a dispute, a, a question about the law, they, they would go and they would sit in that seat and that's where they, had the, they, would, they would exercise that authority. Um, and so these guys were, were, were meant to be, um, were called to be that, but they were messing up, as Jesus highlights. Jesus says to beware of them. Um, he explains why, because of what's in the scribes' hearts, and he lays out all these meaningless things, the things that just really shouldn't be that important to them. Um, it isn't following God's law. It isn't, uh, you know, being dedicated to God. It's, um, you know, walking around in log robes and liking greetings and um, clothing, parties, you know, possessions and and just false spirituality. They, they make these large, long prayers just for, out of pretense. And they're trying to appear spiritual, but they really aren't. Uh, we know that uh, in Psalm, uh, it says, Psalm 51, 17 says that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. This, this is what they should have been focused on, and they weren't. And Jesus is highlighting, beware of them because they're not the thing that they're supposed to be. They're not even the thing they try to look like. Um, the long robes that they were wearing, that they were, that they were so proud of, were originally meant to uh, remind them to pray. Like, these were things, their clothing, everything about that they did was meant to remind them to, to seek God. But instead, they got so focused on, on the symbols. The symbols became more important than what they represented, uh, which is, uh, you know, Justin highlighted it, today about the Lord's Supper, but, you know, you can extend that and say, uh, we, we just had Halloween, we're going to have Thanksgiving, we're going to have uh, Christmas after that, and in, these, are, these, these, these are symbols that are supposed to represent something. I actually don't even know what Halloween represents, but uh, these are symbols that are supposed to represent something, right? Uh, and yet they become, let's eat as much as we can, let's go shop uh, like crazy, and let's get what we want on, on, on Christmas, right? These symbols, which are actually meant to represent, you know, uh, you know, Christ's coming, it's meant to, meant to represent actually Thanksgiving, become these other things, and we let them. So that's what had happened with the scribes, is they had made these symbols into something more than they should have been. So, um, so let's take a look at what they, what they should have been doing. If you look back uh, a few verses, um, just in uh, Mark 12 still, uh, verse 29 through 31 a scribe has come to him, come to Jesus and said, so what's the most important thing? And uh, Jesus answered and said, the most important is, 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. These are, what the thing, these are the things the scribes should have been doing. These are the things they should have been focusing on. These are the things that they were failing completely in. And Jesus says, watch out for them. Um, their greatest love wasn't God, but it was themselves. They cared about what they looked. They cared about their reputation. They cared about um, appearing spiritual. Um, this warning that Jesus laid out in Mark is covered in three verses. But if, uh, and I think in Luke it's four verses, but in Matthew it extends all the way to 30 verses. Uh, we get more detail in Matthew, and um, it, there's, the warning is still there, but then Jesus speaks directly to the scribes and calls them uh, blind hypocrites, calls them sons of hell, calls them, uh, oh, uh, brood of vipers. He's got nothing nice to say about them. Or to them, I should say. Uh, they're hypocrites because they're teaching people, you have to do these things. Because if you remember back in verse uh, 29, that the scribe says, you know, that's right. That's the right thing. They knew that the right thing was to love God with everything, to leave everything on the mat for God and nothing else, right? Uh, and they knew that it was to love your neighbor. And they would teach the people to do these things, and they would not do them. And so... They were putting a burden on the people that they couldn't handle. So really, you know, what, did, what does following these commandments, what would living those commandments out look like? What, what should they have been doing? Um, so if you look at the, if we talk about David from the Old Testament, um, David is called a man after God's own heart. Side note, David wrote that about himself, but he's a man after God's own heart. Um, it's also holy inspired scripture, so we'll give him a, we'll give him a pass. But uh, David commits adultery and tries to cover it up with murder, and like, how is that anything like a man after God's own heart? It's something you have to struggle with if you read those accounts. Um, the difference between the scribes and David is, is played out really right here. David, when faced with his sin, repents. Jesus is here talking to the scribes, and, and they, they don't repent. This continues. Um, the scribes are actually largely in part um, uh, in the reason that Jesus was murdered. They're, uh, they continue the persecution of the church after Jesus has risen. They, they're, they're, they're listed as uh, the guys that are, were, were uh, martyring Stephen. Like they're, they, they don't get the clue. They don't, they don't take it in. And so they're not loving God with all their heart. So not only were they failing the first commandment, but they were also failing the second. They were destroying people's lives. Jesus uh, says they devour widows' houses. Um, they loved themselves and they loved the things that they could have more than God and more than people. Um, widows in, that, in the society then had no, had no way to provide for themselves, no way to go get a job. They lost their husband. If they had a house, it was because their husband had a house. Um, and they've got no way to, um, to sustain it. So when, uh, when, the, uh, when the youth group was going through this, uh, this passage, 
I was talking to my son about it, and I said, so how did it go? What did you do? And he said, oh, yeah, I drew a picture. I said, what picture did you, did you, did you draw? And he was like, well, I drew, drew a, a scribe eating a house. I said, eating? And so I had to look it up. Uh, <laughs> devouring um, uh, means consuming, but it literally means eating. So he was kind of right. And I was like, so I said, how does that even work? He said, oh, it was, it was a gingerbread house. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a gingerbread house. So what we do, what we do know about the scribes specifically is that um, they, we have from their own records admitting that they would go, to, they would go find widows' houses. Uh, they, would, um, they would offer them legal protection so they wouldn't lose their house and make it so that when they couldn't pay for their legal services, the house would default to them. So they would go and they would take these widows' houses uh, just because they wanted things. They didn't care about the people. They would make long prayers out of pretense for show. We know that they would pray loudly in the public. Um, we, uh, they wanted to appear spiritual. They wanted to make people think that they were holy. Um, we, we know that uh, Jesus lays out a, a model uh, for prayer. Uh, when, he, when he talks to his disciples, and he says in Matthew 6, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may see, be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you go, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This, all this comes down to God is mostly concerned with the heart, and the scribes didn't get that. And so Jesus is telling people to beware of the scribes because the heart is what's important. And their, their heart was evidenced through their actions, not by what they were saying. They were teaching things, but they were doing other things. So then kind of the question, you have to look at this, you have to say, so why didn't Jesus just say, you know, overthrow the scribes? They're corrupt, obviously. We should just get them out, out of the way. Let's put somebody else up who can do a better job or something along those lines. So when you read, uh, when you look at the 30 verses I was mentioning in Matthew 23, uh, Jesus has the warning for the people, but he's speaking directly to the scribes. The position was important. God had the, the seed of Moses there, uh, he says in, in Matthew 20, 23, it says, do as they say, not as they do. Um, it's an exercise in trusting the Lord here at that point where Jesus says, beware, they're going to have a greater condemnation. So there's kind of two sides of it. There's, there's the trust in God. He will take care of you, and he will take care of the scribes. And there's the other side of it where Jesus is speaking directly to the scribes in really in mercy. Like uh, the, the people, are, their, their correction is gentle. It's a beware of these things. The correction to the, to the scribes is woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, Jesus says. And he says all those things about them directly to them. Um, we need to be able to receive God's correction in whatever form it comes, whether it comes from somebody you respect, and especially if it comes from somebody you have no respect for, like uh, somebody who you, you wouldn't even expect it from. Uh, you need, we want to be open and willing to repent and receive God, what God has to say. Even at the cross, remember the scribes are there, 
they're the reason that Jesus is up there. And he says, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So continuing in verse 41, Jesus sits down outside the treasury. So he's, he's done with that, and he, and he watches, the scene, watches the scene unfold of the giving. Um, there they had uh, 13 boxes with these huge funnels uh, on top of them that people would put their money in for, to donate to the treasury. Uh, so he sees uh, many rich people putting large amounts of money in, and he notices one, uh, one widow putting in two, two, two coins, a penny's worth, um, and he says, you know, she gave more than everyone else. Now, a lot has been said about this widow uh, through sermons and commentaries and, and stuff, and they try to, a lot of people try to make a big thing out of, like, this is how I should give, and, you know, hey, the offering box is right here. You know, people try to kind of, like, make it into this commandment, and what we're really seeing here is Jesus is noticing the heart of this woman, and he's, he's talking about the heart. Um, there's plenty of examples of giving everything till it hurts in the Old and New Testament, and so I don't want to I don't want to lose sight of that being a good thing. Um, there's uh, David uh, winds up uh, sacrificing uh, enough uh, sheep to God to to kind of make it feel you know when you're the king and you have a lot a lot of sheep that's a lot of barbecues. Um, if you uh, we have. Um, in the, in the New Testament, there's, uh, in, in Jerusalem, the church uh, people are selling all of their property and donating all the sums, all the amounts uh, to, to the church. They would just, when they, when they converted, they would just sell everything and give it. Uh, so there's examples of this, but that's something that God has to call you to personally to do. Um, in fact, even in the example with uh, the New Testament where they're selling their property, there's a couple, right, Ananias and Sapphira, who wind up selling it and giving only part. And um, God strikes them down for this because they came saying, look, we gave everything, when in truth uh, they only gave part. And Peter, when he's addressing the, addressing the sin in them, says you could have kept some of it. Like you, you didn't need to act like you were giving it all. So, like, uh, the, the, the amount that we give is really just meant to be what God impresses on your heart. and Just don't give falsely. Um, so, I've been um, listening to a lot of uh, Keith Green songs lately. I don't know if you know him. He's from the 70s. It sounds very 70s, too. Um, it's been I've been opening I've been opening expanding the uh, my children's uh, culture um, <laughs> but one of the songs that keeps coming up on my playlist is uh, to obey to obey is better than sacrifice it's a quote from uh, first Samuel but uh, it's a song about the the church acting on ceremony rather than living for God and in the beginning it opens up to obey is better than sacrifice I don't need your money I want your life so if we truly love God with everything that we are, then all of our money is really his at the end of the day. Like everything, every good and perfect gift comes from God, right? And so we want, in our, in our giving, we want to acknowledge that. I find it really, really interesting that Jesus is on his way out of the temple. This is the last thing he's going to do, out of the, do in the temple, and then he's going to leave. The first kind of action that he did in the temple was go into the uh, 
Gentiles courts, and this was just a day before all of this, and he overturned the table and drove out, drew out, drove out all the money changers, right, where um, they were making uh, it impossible for people to worship. Money was there, making it impossible for people to worship. Here, the last thing that he's going to do is look at how someone is using money to worship God. A lot of people say, well, money is, is evil. And it's a misquote of scripture where it says, the love of money is the root of all evil, right? So uh, money is just a thing, but it's, it's a way that we can, we have uh, uh, to, to worship God. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I, I really like this verse because the word for cheerful translates literally to hilarious, and I can't imagine like what a hilarious giving looks like. It's like, because I know what hilarious is. That's when you laugh and uncontrollably, right? And so like I always imagine somebody laughing uncontrollably just throwing money in, in, a, in a bucket or something. I don't know. It doesn't, I can't put it together, but I know the heart of it is that I don't want to hold anything back when I'm giving to the Lord. So again, the amount is really between you and God, what it is, but um, God wants us to give freely. Uh, and so I think that the, the way that we, we get there, right, is um, back again to those, those two verses where, where Jesus says, uh, um, the, the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Those two should direct our giving. Uh, and really, the, the only way to get better at that is to draw closer to Jesus. Um, one of my favorite verses in the Bible uh, uh, is in Jeremiah, where uh, it's a, God is speaking. It says, Is not my word like a, like a fire, says the Lord? like the hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. It tears me apart every time because my, my heart wants to get hard. It wants to look at things like um, donating to, 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 to a family to go to Disneyland. is like, well, why don't I just take my kids to Disneyland? Why, don't, why do I have to give to them? You know, that's what my heart, that's what my heart wants to do. And Jesus is like, I love them so much. Let's, let's help them. You know, the, I need to be in God's word. I need to be with God's people, and I need to be in the presence of the Lord so that uh, my heart, the hardness gets purified in that fire. The hammer breaks it into pieces. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we just pray, Lord, you would give us hearts of flesh and not of stone. Lord, we just pray that you would just guide our, guide our giving, Lord, and that we would fall in love with you, madly in love with you, and just that you would be the center of our lives, our existence, that nothing else would, would, would come in the way between that. In Jesus' name, amen.